2020 has not been a kind year. It's been a year that preyed on the weak and the sick. A year that claimed lives and tested trust. A year filled with division and upended by chaos. It's been a year dominated by staggering loss of life across the world. But it's a world still filled with courage, compassion, and heart. Amidst tragedy, we learned that we know how to put others before ourselves. Despite resistance, despite pushback, we persisted. This is a world of resilience, a world propelled by the belief that overcoming the impossible is in fact possible. cicada in there just for you, by the way. Did you see it? <laughs> Anybody love that song? <laughs> we were driving in the car the other day playing that song, and Azariah says, that's not very nice. You're not allowed here. You don't belong here. I was like, no, 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 buddy. <laughs> She's not talking about, I guess that's Francesca, right? She's not talking about uh, somebody, she's talking about fear, not allowed here, not allowed in, in my heart, in my mind. And he's like, oh, that makes more sense. He thought she was being mean in a song. But fear, I love how she says, is not allowed here. We will not allow fear here. That's the goal, that's the plan. It doesn't always work out that way, though, does it? Oftentimes we have way too much fear inside our hearts, inside our minds, crushing our souls, especially in the past year and a half, there's been fear, 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 anxiety. Just overwhelming tidal waves of it the past year and a half with all the COVID-related stuff. But really, fear's been around for thousands of years, ever since... The fall of man. I don't know if you're a fearful or anxious person, but there are quite a few things, like in the video, that we can can grip our heart and can make us afraid. That soul-crushing anxiety, especially the past year and a half. One thing is um, the the media. I want to say purposefully imposing fear on our. Um, in our lives, in our minds for their selfish gain. I don't know if anybody saw the undercover video from April of a CNN technical director. Did anybody see that? I can send it out if you're interested. I can give you the link. But 
that somebody recorded an undercover video in a coffee shop. They met with a CNN technical director, Charlie somebody, and he said a few things like, quote, fear really drives numbers. Quote, COVID, gangbusters with ratings. And quote, fear is the thing that really keeps you tuned in. I don't, that's the mindset of CNN, apparently. I'm not here to bash any particular news network, but I wanted to give you a behind-the-scenes look of... Yes, there are, uh, the virus has been very real, and many people have died. Many people die every year of many different things. But for the media to say that out loud, for the technical director of CNN to say, we were purposefully manipulating the death count, which he said, to cause people to be afraid on purpose so that they would tune in more. That really makes me frustrated and, and angry that as if life isn't hard enough to do with, they have all this fear that they, they want us to have this fear mindset. It's no wonder that anxiety has been going through the roof among other things that we've been talking about that we're going to talk about the next couple months if you'd like to share your story about loneliness, isolation, depression, uh, money struggles, how God has helped you overcome some things, parenting challenges the past year and a half, work-related stuff, stress, please. I'd love to have you share, and I'd love to record you if you don't want to share up front. But today, to help us understand about fear and anxiety, um, what I want to do is I want to give you a very special treat and that is my beloved Rachel is going to come up and share. This is a real thing. I'm not just calling her out on the spot. Rachel, would you come up? She is an expert in the field of anxiety. <laughs> her whole life. Uh, you're going to share. I won't share anything. But she's going to preach today. This is Rachel, everybody. Say hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Is your microphone on? All right. And she's going to share what I hope and pray what I know is going to be a very powerful and meaningful message to all of us to help us understand more about anxiety and to help us overcome it uh, in our lives. If you're, if anyone's feeling anxious or afraid today, thanks, son. I watched the kids this week for a couple of days so she could prepare. Okay, a day and a half. Okay, half of a day. All right. Thanks, Rachel. So, he's right, I'm an expert in the field of anxiety, not because I have special training and I just life training. Um, so, everyone has had bouts of fear. A lot of us have even experienced some anxiety, phobias, things like that. Fear is a normal human emotion, right? Um, it helps us stay safe in a lot of ways, like the fear that would tell our bodies to run away from a hangry bear, right? We need to have that fear, it helps us in life. But for some of us, like me, fear and anxiety can become a big, big issue, even beyond rationalization. So, though we all can have anxious feelings from time to time, anxiety disorders are probably more common than you would think, especially if you've never struggled with it. And um, it's all definitely increased a ton in the past year and a half with everything that's been going on, all the changes and, and all the, um, the fear that has happened around the pandemic. Um, so, according to Harvard Health, this is the definition, of anxiety disorders. They're characterized by severe, persistent worry that is excessive for the situation and extreme avoidance of anxiety-provoking situations. These symptoms cause distress, 
impair daily functioning and occur for a significant period. And the, there are Christian psychologists called, um, named Frank Minerth and Paul Meyer, and they own a network of clinics across the country. They say that anxiety is the most common mental disorder they encounter at their network of clinics. I've been reading a book by author Pierce Taylor Hibbs that I'm going to share with you a little bit from later, but he describes anxiety like this. He says, anxiety replaces a thought with a nightmare, and it convinces you that the nightmare is more likely. And... Um, I love linguistics. I love words and learning all about language. And so I like to find out the history of words. So I looked up the meaning of, or the root of, the, the history of Latin word from anxiety this week. And so it comes from the Latin substantive angor, and then the corresponding verb ango, go with it. Those words literally mean to constrict. That's where we get our word for anxiety. It comes from the Latin, to constrict. And I think that's the way, if anyone has experienced anxiety before, it's almost like this closing in of your throat. You can't breathe, uh, maybe even like there's a boa constrictor around your neck. Literally, it's coming from that constrict word. I thought that was a powerful visual image of anxiety, the, the constricting. So first, our first note is anxiety is big. You got your notes? Yeah, made it, okay. Anxiety is big. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. and. Ironically, it actually causes me some anxiety doing this because <laughs> I'm a rather private person. I don't like everyone to know everything, and yet I want to be obedient to share this with you in case it might help any of you who have struggled with this as well. So um, I come from a long line of warriors, and so um, I, I kind of inherited this natural tendency toward anxiety. Um, and I haven't known very many days of my life without having to fight off bouts of anxious thoughts. It's been a very common thing throughout my whole life. It's always been part of my story. As long as I can remember, even my earliest memories that I can recall, many of them are anxious memories. So, um, and I had a good life. I don't mean to say that I didn't, but, but I just wanted you to know how powerful this has been in my life, too. Um, I've spent many years of my life in counseling for anxiety-related issues, even currently. And just it helps me manage and um, be able to get through those, those thoughts. I've been on medications during certain seasons of my life to help manage anxiety. And so as a child, even like, I don't know how young I was the first time I went to counseling, but <laughs> um, my, my intense anxiety as a child, probably around five or six years old, caused some very, very strong OCD behaviors. And um, I still, they called it perfectionism then. Um, and I still deal with, with some of those, though I've learned to manage a lot of those um, OCD tendencies. But then as a teen, my anxiety caused um, intense heart palpitations. Um, I dealt with an ulcer related from anxiety and a long, hard battle with a serious eating disorder, too. All of this was tied into my anxiety. And so currently, I've learned to get beyond some of that, so I have overcome some of that. Um, and it kind of manifests differently in different phases of life, but... Currently, my main symptom of, of anxiety is um, my, my brain is constantly in hyperdrive, so I can't settle down thoughts very well. So I have like this feeling of intense overwhelm almost all the time. And so things that would just be a small interruption or a small inconvenience for someone else will cause me to totally shut down or um, just break down and overwhelm. So that's what I'm trying to work through right now. So I was ex 
accepted Jesus at age four. I got baptized at age 10, and I know that sounds young, but I knew full well what I was doing at the time. And so there was still a lot of life and learning to happen, of course, even after that. So as a teen, I remember reading Jesus' words, do not worry and don't be anxious, and, and realizing that if he commanded that, then he could help me to overcome it. It wasn't something that I just had to totally dwell in and not have any ammo to fight back. So I began intensely seeking him in that, and the anxiety didn't stop um, entirely. It's, it's always just kind of an innate, an, innate, an innate struggle with me. But the more diligently I relied on his power to help me trust him and change my thoughts, um, it helped to kind of change my thoughts, change, um, change a way to kind of help me fight back against that anxiety. I did that, and I still do that, but still the struggle is there. It's a, it's a regular thing. So it's sad to me, as I had read some Christian resources, not all, but some um, had painted anxiety as a sin, as a sin to overcome, rather than recognizing it as an illness. And so for many years, I was led to believe that I was sinning without even trying to, outside of my control, simply by my struggle with anxiety. And you can decide for yourself, but I don't believe that anxiety in itself is a sin. It's a natural human emotion. Um, but our response to it could be a sin, but in itself, I don't believe it is a sin. It's an illness. It's a a result of living in a sinful world. And so I was reading an article on the website for every mom and there's actually a, a blogger um, who contributed to the site and she's from the Dayton area. Jenny Rapson is her name. And she was writing an article about anxiety on there and she said, um, no matter what anyone else thinks, I cling to the truth about my anxiety. I know in my heart that Christ is with me, next to me and inside of me when I'm struggling with anxiety just as he is with, next to, and inside a Christian who has cancer or diabetes. Anxiety is an illness. It's your brain telling your body that you need to freak out when you really do not. It's a malfunction. It's my fearfully and wonderfully made body functioning in a fallen world, and it's real. And so is the Savior who helps me with it. I thought that was powerful. So I've been reading this book called Struck Down But Not Destroyed by Pierce Taylor Hibbs, and I was actually trying to finish it in time for this message probably bought it a few months ago, but as you can imagine, I don't have a lot of free time to read <laughs> um, as much as I try to. Uh, and so I'll like, pull, I have a digital copy, so I'll pull it up on my phone and, you know, get about two pages in before I fall asleep every night. So um, I haven't been able to finish that yet. I wanted to share some of the wisdom from you, and I did gain some wisdom from what I've read so far. But the reason this book appeals to me so much is because this, the author who battles intense anxiety um, kind of a lot of the, the point of this book is um, discussing how God might use our anxiety in order to draw us closer to him. So rather than just wishing it away completely, we can ask God, what is it that you want to teach me through this, through this anxious situation? And so he discusses how his anxiety regularly causes him to draw closer to God and deepen his faith because he seeks God so strongly during those bouts with anxiety. And so I want to share with you a quote from his book. It says, we need to exchange a 21st century problem-solving mentality for the ancient truth of divine to human relationship. The former has us asking, how can I get this to stop? And the latter encourages us to ask, what are you teaching me, Lord? Please show me. People spend exorbitant amounts of time, energy, and money trying to avoid weakness and eliminate suffering. But weakness and suffering aren't going away anytime soon. They're long-term guests on this side of paradise. 
We live with them, not around them. All of the Christian life is about learning to live with and through weakness and suffering, anxiety included, in a way that follows the beaten path of Scripture, the beaten path of Christ. Let's kind of tie this into what's happened in the past year and a half. Stay safe has been the mantra that we've heard a lot. It's kind of this, this idea to avoid suffering in bad situations at any cost. And it, people applied it to even more than, the, more than the pandemic. I understand that there were a lot of unique issues going on in the past year. But it's important to remember there is an element of being reasonably cautious. Like we shouldn't try to see what happens when we jump out in front of cars, right? <laughs> but no matter what, we're never promised safety. Jesus actually says, we're going to face trials and persecution. And we can try to stay safe. We can try to avoid anxiety-causing situations or viruses or weaknesses or sufferings, any number of things. But then at some point, we cease to truly live. And we're simply surviving in fear. And I've spent much of my life surviving in fear, and that's no way to live. <clears throat> so I've, I've struggled with this a lot recently. Um, anxiety is nothing that anyone would choose to live with. <laughs> Um, and yet, it's also something that affects my family so strongly that I've, I've questioned God why I have to deal with that. Because then it affects my husband and my children, you know, when I break down and overwhelm. And I think of Paul's thorn in the flesh, where he says, well, if this is in um, 2 Corinthians 12, if you want to follow along. Um, Paul is describing the situation where he has some, some sort of thorn in the flesh, some sort of affliction, and we don't really know what it is. It's some kind of trial. Um, and he's begging for God. He says, three times I begged for the Lord to take it away. And what was God's response? In 2 Corinthians 12, 19, if you want to turn there. I'm going to read it from my paper because it's easier for me. Um, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul continues sharing his... He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So God uses our weaknesses to draw closer to him and to cause his power to work through us. So not only does God want his power to work through our weaknesses, but he wants to give us hope. And hope is a very important word to me because it just, it, especially recently, but in all, of, in all of life, you know, there's so much heartache that we, we need hope. Um, and how does suffering give us hope? If you want to turn to Romans 5, 3 through 5, um, we can read about what how suffering can give us hope. It says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So sufferings, ultimately, can lead us to God's hope. There's another verse I've always appreciated from 2 Corinthians 4, if you want to turn there, otherwise I'm just, I'll read it for you. Um, 2 Corinthians 4 8 through 11. Um, it reads, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, 
so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. I want to read you another excerpt from the book by Pierce Taylor Hibbs. It says, Anxiety certainly strikes you down, down to the depths, to the dark, where it's just you and God. Anxiety crushes us. We're truly struck down by it, spiritually and physically. Thank God for conjunctions. But is the essence of the gospel. We're knocked down to our knees by anxiety, but we're face down in the dirt near death, but our soul is lacerating and all hope is bleeding out, but we are not destroyed. Never, not even at death, no matter how many times your anxiety strikes you down, you will not be destroyed. You're going to find your feet again and rise, not because you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but because God will pull you up so that you're closer to his son. God will always teach you when your heart is willing and open to him. He's always ready to guide you into the faith that lies just ahead of your fear. So that brings us to our but piece as well. Anxiety is big, but God's peace is bigger. So for this part, I want to focus on Philippians. So Philippians is one of my favorite books in the Bible, always has been, because it's held such powerful wisdom to me, probably a lot related to anxiety, which might be why I'm drawn to it. Um, So Paul actually wrote the book of Philippians while he was in prison. So this is probably a very low uh, time in his life, probably a very nervous time in his life, not the best living conditions, maybe fearing for his life. And yet, he still, throughout this whole book, has an attitude of rejoicing and thankfulness and choosing not to dwell in worry. So I want to, we're going to break this down in a few different pieces. So if you go to the next slide, it has Philippians 4, 6 through 7 on it. These are the verses that are commonly used to talk about anxiety. Um, and it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So God is not assuring us an absence of anxiety, but he's promising us a provision of peace. And we seek God during our anxiety, and he promises to give us some peace. One commentary explained these verses this way. He says, there are three key words in these verses that reveal the theme. Anxious, prayer, and peace. So being anxious is the problem we're told to put off. Prayer is the procedure we're told to practice. And peace is the product we are promised by God. It is imperative that we learn to experience the peace of God, especially in the face of trials. So prayer can help redirect our anxious thoughts to focus on God instead of our problems. So while these common verses um, used to discuss anxiety are very good, I think it's important to look at what comes before and after that as well. So let's look at the next one. We're going to put verse 4 and 5 up here. So... Before we get to the do not be anxious about anything, we have in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then it continues. Do not be anxious about anything. So we are called to be in a constant state of rejoicing always, no matter what. We maintain a gentle spirit, even during rough times. And remember that God is with us. And that eventually, Jesus is coming back soon to create a new kingdom without anxiety. That'll be great. So rejoicing doesn't mean that everything is always fine and dandy, though, right? Um, We'll still have anxious times, but we can still choose to seek and praise God in those anxious times, in the midst of trials. 
Um, and then we need to remind ourselves not to dwell in anxious thoughts, but in every situation, every time, through prayer and petition with God, with a thankful heart, talk to God about what we need. So our very first attitude should be the attitude of joy. But then it still you know, says, do not be anxious. So we know anxiety is going to creep in. It's a natural emotion or fear at least. What do we do first? So we go straight to God. And what is his promise to us? His supernatural peace will fill our hearts and our overactive, anxious minds. So what can we do when our minds keep going back and forth with anxious thoughts? Take a look at verse 8 and 9. I'm going to add those to the mix now. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And here's peace again. And the God of peace will be with you. So when we actively choose to focus on the things of God, does that mean anxiety will never creep in? No. But we can battle back with these things that are pure and lovely and admirable and uh, all those other ones. Excellent, praiseworthy. Um, and then what is God's promise to us again? We battle back with these, these good thoughts. What is his promise to us? His peace. We've got a lot of promises of peace in here. I love the way this reads from the message. So I'm going to read you... Um, verses 4 through 9 from the message. It says, Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in Him. Make it as clear as you can to all that you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the Master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. I thought that was a beautiful and poetic way to share those verses. So the series is Overcomer, and I felt like I was jipping you a little bit because I haven't overcome. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I want to share some things that help me in case they might help you. Um, I'm not a doctor. Um, but I have a lot of personal experience with this, and so maybe some of these things can be benefit, benefit you. So kind of like these verses we're talking, you know, um, changing your thoughts towards God, or changing your, your anxious thoughts into prayers and directing them towards the positivity that God offers. Is The first thing is kind of just step by step, day by day, choosing to give it over to God. So... Um, some seasons of, can be better than others for those of us who deal with anxiety, but it'll probably be a struggle I have all my life. And so I have to make this conscious choice to give it over to God every time anxiety creeps in and choose to focus on Him and grow closer to Him through it. Another thing we can do is focus on God and His promises and His history of providing. Remember His track record, track record how He's provided for you in the past. Um, reading the Bible, it gets you out of your anxious mind and into, um, into God's word, which is powerful. And 
Praying helps us to step out of our anxious thoughts as well and focus on God's bigger picture. Anxiety tends us to be a lot, we tend to be more um, inwardly focused with anxiety. And um, so branching out, looking at the Bible and praying and praying for others too can really help us to think outside ourselves and um, be able to get outside of our, our small tunnel of anxiety. <clears throat> Another one is breathe. This is a big, a big one for me. Um, it's kind of my, my mantra of the past um, year and a half was to breathe. So when I first went back to counseling in January of 2020, um, the very first session with my counselor, we talked about how important it is to breathe deeply for a variety of reasons. Um, you can oxygenate the brain that way. Um, it allows you to pause before reacting. And in general, just helps you to calm down when you breathe deeply. Um, so, and it did, it made a big difference, big difference for my anxieties. So that was actually the focus of the first several months of 2020 for me was breathing. Fast forward seven months later and uh, the mask requirement was enacted in Ohio and I felt like I had a big step backwards because I've been working so hard to breathe deeply and that was impossible in a mask. And so, plus I've always been sensitive to anything over my mouth and nose. It just makes me feel like I'm starting to suffocate. And so it did quite literally a few times prompt an anxiety attack with me when I was wearing a mask and I had to take it off right away and I, I was okay. But, um, so I was able to work myself up to it for short stints when I had to going into a doctor's office or whatever, but it was a long and hard process to work through because I'd been focusing so much on breathing and, um, all of that. And so, and then it was extra difficult because I would see posts about how anyone who wasn't wearing a mask was insensitive. People would write on on Facebook and so then I felt like I was in a lose-lose situation because if I wear it, it's going to mess with my anxiety. If I don't, it's going to mess with my anxiety because then I'm afraid people are going to, you know, judge me or whatever. Um, so it was kind of a difficult, a difficult situation. That's just one way that the events of the pandemic had, had kind of a different effect for me maybe the most. Um, but I, either way, um, breathing is so important in many ways, right? We have to do it in order to live. Um, and, and one way I like to think about it as well is when we breathe, it's almost like we can breathe the name of God. So his name is Yahweh and it almost sounds like a breath. Yahweh, you say it like that. And so when we focus on breathing his name, especially that can help us not only physiologically, but spiritually as well to call out to him during our anxious moments with deep breathing. Um, some other things that can be helpful if you deal with anxiety going to counseling or even just talking about it with someone who trusts you and will just listen. Um, but I'm a big proponent of that. And also taking small steps to stand up to anxiety. So if we never stand up to it, it can grow so much and you can become even more and more paralyzed. And so I've, I've had to work towards taking small steps to things that cause me anxiety to be able to overcome. And so, um, I have a lot of social anxiety, which, so if you've ever noticed me acting awkward or antisocial, <laughs> that's probably why I'm not trying to be rude. Um, but I have to challenge my introverted homebody self to get out um, and do activities and interact with people uh, just a little bit at a time to build up confidence. And so I try not to let my anxiety paralyze me and I try to look back at, at what I have done that's been a challenge for me to kind of encourage myself to get going, not just social situations, but other situations that have caused me anxiety in the past and remember how God's been faithful and how I've been able to take those small steps so that I can work up to doing better things, uh, bigger things and not 
not give anxiety the power. And, you know, reciting God's promises from the Bible help with that too. Um, medications, vitamins, supplements can be helpful for a lot of people who are dealing with anxiety. Um, healthy eating and exercise help a lot. Um, just to, so your brain has the right nutrition that it can um, be able to fight back against anxiety. Um, and in the book I'm reading, there's actually an acronym that I could share with you or pass on information if you're interested, but the author uses this acronym that's actually CHRIST, C-H-R-I-S-T, whenever he's having a problem with anxiety, and um, I haven't gotten, gotten to do that yet. Um, but that might be helpful for some of you too, figuring out some, some rhythmic way, such as that acronym or something else, to be able to guide you through what you need to do um, to get beyond that bout with anxiety. And another thing is turn off the news. Focus your attention on God. There's, there's so much sad news, so much fear-mongering. I remember even you know, as a kid, I can remember hating when the 5 o'clock news would come on and my dad would want to watch it. I hated it because it just caused all this anxiety in my heart. And so even now, I don't, I don't like to read news. I don't like to do any. Never have ever since I was a kid. Um, so get your mind off thing. Get your mind off off the news. All the sad stuff. All the fear-based stuff. And focus on the things that God says to focus on. Remember, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And then the last thing that really helps me, and um, I know this might not apply for everyone. Um, some, some way to get your thoughts down um, is, has been helpful for me. So I've always loved writing, and um, I haven't had much time in the past decade to do that, <laughs> but I do love it. Um, it's been ultimately like a way for me to pray to God and worship God too and to, and to process my thoughts because my mind always feels so jumbled that unless I'm focusing on writing it down, I feel like I have trouble um, processing it. And so... Recently, I was looking through a scrapbook um, of some of my writings that we actually had out at like, my graduation party from high school, I think. Um, and so I found this poem that I had written about anxiety. And I actually I wrote it 18 years ago in May 2003. I was 18 at the time, so half my life ago. Um, and it was, a, I mean, I, of course, was no stranger to anxiety. But um, there was just some big, especially large changes happening at that time. So I was graduating from high school. I was headed to college out of state. I was, I didn't know it at the time. I was beginning a relationship with Dan. I guess that may have been anxiety inducing. Anyway, um, <laughs> there were just a ton of life changes happening. That, sorry, that was a few months later, but um, there were just a ton of life changes happening at that time. And so I'm betting I was just feeling like a lot of new anxiety that I hadn't experienced before. And so, as the worship team comes forward, I'm going to read my poem. I remember to put that in there. Um, so this is my poem that I wrote, um, and hopefully it can be an encouragement with you and inspire you to, to overcome your obstacles, even if it has to be daily or moment by moment. And remember that Jesus is there for you. So this is the poem that I wrote. It's titled, O Captain, My Captain. <clears throat> it says, In the midst of the roaring sea, Raging and rumbling all it can be, in the midst of the storm lay I. Lost and weary, my soul is dry. The waves are big, too big for me to survive on this, this stormy sea. I cry for help to no avail. Help me, save me, out I wail. Eternal time creeps slowly by, while in the midst of the storm lay I. Fighting for air, swimming a mile, all the while trying to smile. 
You know, dear child, it will be all right. The captain will come. You'll win this fight. The vast storm here just doesn't compete. The captain will make sure your ends meet. So patiently, I waited still, once in a while voicing a shrill, wondering where my captain could be out on this stormy, infinite sea. Keep fighting, dear child. The race is on. The wind and waves have come and gone. And though much time has slowly passed, my captain has arrived at last. Why did you fear? He questioned me as he saved me from the hungry sea. You knew I'd come to you, sweet child. Do not be so quickly beguiled. You need have fear no more, no more, he said as he placed me on the shore. See, now you are strong to face the waves again. And remember, I always save. As I watched him sail away, I knew that not another day would pass without me trusting friend, that he'll always be there until the end. The captain led me to that raging sea to teach me faith, to teach me to be filled with faith, strong inside, knowing he'll always provide.
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so eternally grateful that we don't have to fear this life, all the pain and sickness and suffering and death. It hurts. It's hard. It kills us, inside and outside. But we know that you are God, that you are good, that you have made us more than conquerors, that because of what your son Jesus did on the cross, in our place, for our sins, we too can be overcomers. I pray that as we leave here today, that you would empower us, fill us with boldness and courage and trust and peace in you. We know that we do not have to fear God because you and your son Jesus have <laughs> conquered the world, conquered Satan, sin, and death. And I pray that we would, you would help us to internalize what you have done, what you're doing right now today, and what you promise that you will do in the future. Help us to live out your calling for us every day. And to not live in that state of fear and anxiety that can really, really bring us down. But even when we do struggle with it, God, we know that you are real and that you are getting us through it until the day that your Lord Jesus comes back. We love you, God, and we thank you always and forever for him. In his name we pray. Amen.